Our our passage this Sunday comes from the book of Acts, the second chapter, the 42nd through the 47th verse. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you so much, and um, again, I just want to say how glad we are to be here and to be beginning our journey together. Uh, I so look forward to what God has in front of us. Uh, Let's pause and pray. Oh God, as our musician sang, breathe on us. May we be your breathed upon people gathered here in this place. Lord, help us to remember what Lindsay said so well, that the church is your people, gathered, scattered, covered by your Holy Spirit. Breathe upon us the living word. May it be more than words on a page imprinted on our hearts. In your holy name we pray. Amen. There's a cardiologist who was at a large... Uh, gala, a large party in the community. She was a well-known cardiologist. She and her husband were there, and the music was playing, and she noticed one of her patients just cutting a rug in the middle of the dance floor. And she had seen this patient the week before, and she was concerned. He had this uh, young lady that he was throwing around. It's a flamenco dancer, and he was having the time of his life, sweating and dripping, doing so well that he attracted, sort of they kind of broke into a circle and saw him dance, like dancing with the stars. After the song set, she was livid. And she looked up to, she walked up to him and his his date, and she said, what are you doing? He said, well, last Wednesday you told me to be carefree and to have a hot mama. She said, no, I told you to be careful. You have a heart murmur. (laughs) Now, we've been talking, and we will be talking this month about this I believe. This I believe. This we believe. And you know, last week, you'll recall that we talked about what it means to hear the call. To hear the call of God. You've got a call story. I've got a call story And we've been called to gather in the group, in a group together, 
to gather together to be one, to share our stories so that our individual stories become one big great story, a greater story of God at work in our midst. And we, um, we live in very confusing times. Um, in other words, we can't afford to get our calling wrong. We cannot be unclear in a world that needs clarity. We can't be confusing in how we respond to our call. 2,000 years ago, Pentecost, right? We call it the birthday of the church. The church was there gathered. The risen Christ appeared to them, told them to wait for me and wait upon the Holy Spirit and you'll know what to do. And they were there gathered, many of them gathered, dozens. And all of a sudden it got crazy. The wind swept through and all these hillbilly country bumpkin Galileans started speaking in other languages. And people who had come to the festival of Pentecost at Jerusalem was like, were like, am I hearing them praising God in my tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from all over the place. Aren't these Galileans? Aren't these rednecks? They don't know my language. All of a sudden, Peter shares the very first Christian sermon. He says, no, we're not. You know, they said they were drunk. Oh, this is an all-night party. He said, no, we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. And he began to share how Jesus and the Holy Spirit was creating and gathering a new community to be a blessing for the world that God had called them. And Peter said, you are invited too to be a part of us so that I becomes a we, so that we becomes a wow. And so that the world can see that God is not out to get us, but out to bless the world through us. And 3,000 people, it said, let me be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And in that moment of clarity, we hear uh, the story of what we heard this morning. Said that they gathered and they, they broke bread together. They sang hymns, they held hands, and they prayed. It said they taught each other, teaching, sharing, praying, empowered. Man, that was a preacher's dream, if you ever heard. You know, just all of a sudden, everybody's on one page. It was amazing. But you know, we live in a time where people don't look at the church and go, wow, that's amazing, right? We live in a time where people are deeply suspicious about the church, A lot of people love and adore Jesus. They just can't stand his friends, the church, right? We're not competing with other churches in this area. You know as well as I know, we are competing with a warm bed, a second cup of coffee, right? Clarion Ledger, Hattiesburg American. We're competing with people staying home. We're competing with an aisle at Books a Million, the self-help aisle. Hey, I can do it myself. Little, little Jesus, little God, little Bible, me, myself, and Jesus, and we got it taken care of. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, why did you come here today? Why did you come here today? Maybe you came here today because you know you can't do it all alone and by yourself. Maybe you've come here today because you believe that the church gathers and the church scatters in the name of Christ. 
and that each week we need each other to hold one another accountable. We need to love each other because it is difficult out there. You know that. And it is so easy and we get run over by the stresses of life. It doesn't take me till about 10 o'clock Monday morning before I realize I'm in over my head. Now see, people would understand that and get it more clear if everybody talked like Southerners. Did you know that? If everybody said the word y'all, we wouldn't be in this situation, right? You know as well as I do, when you read your Bible, there's a lot of you. And we always assume that it's you singular. So that when Jesus says, I am going, I will send you an advocate. He will be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. And you will do greater things than I. We're here in you singular. Like, who, me? Singular? I, I can do a great thing? No, no. He wasn't having one-on-ones with his 12 disciples before he left. He was talking to all 12 of them. And 95% of the Bible, in 95% of the New Testament, all of Paul's letters, Paul is saying, y'all, not you. You ever heard somebody say, I know God's not going to give me any more than I can bear. You ever heard that? That is so untrue. Like I said, it doesn't take me long into money to realize I'm in over my head and I cannot do it alone. I can do very little alone. It may surprise you to know that I cut my own hair. (laughs) But did you know that before I got here this morning, I'm sorry, Jen, I had to wake Jen up and said, Jen, please look at the back of my head so I don't have a strip, you know, in the back of my head. I can't even cut my hair. And I don't have much of it. I can't even cut my hair without the help of somebody else. And the y'all, and the y'all part about that, I believe in the y'all, the y'all part about that is that we really don't have a whole lot to brag about, right, on our own. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 that God chose the stupid and the trashy to shame the wise of the world. Don't think because... Of, you know, consider the time when you were called, says Paul. I didn't, God didn't call sophisticated people. God didn't call the powerful. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he did not go to the halls of power. He did not look for political or partisan power. He went to the same people who disappointed him. Peter, who shared that great first sermon, just four weeks before that, was saying, I don't even know the man. So it's not about you and your strength. It's not that we're all that. It's that we have been breathed upon and loved by God. You are part of the body. You are part of the body, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, and members of it. A kneecap is not a body. A liver is not a body. An eye is not a body. But together, connected Gathered together, we become, we become the body. We become the body. My mom, uh, she wasn't a perfect mom. In fact, a lot of times my mom said, I just wish I was more like, you know, leave it to beaver mom. I wish I could have been that kind of mom, but she wasn't. She worked a lot, uh, and she oftentimes felt guilty about that. But one thing my mom did was this. I could fake an injury a lot and stay home from school. I'm sorry to say. I could fool her. 
But I had to be bleeding in two places to miss church in Brookhaven, right? If I could crawl out of bed, she was going to get me to church. She believed in the church. She grew up in the 60s in Birmingham, Alabama, in in the Bull Connor South, and she saw Christians do things that she couldn't imagine that they could possibly do. Almost gave up on Christianity because of all that she saw people do in the name of Christ in Birmingham. She and my dad moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, where he was in the Air Force. And she found her faith again in First United Methodist Church, Shreveport. There was a guy, a preacher by the name of D.L. Dykes, who was way ahead of his time. And he preached we, not I. He preached love, not hate. He preached that the church could be a shining example and could lead and could go and be different and odd and be a peculiar community, even in the face of fierce oppression. Flannery Connor said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you odd. And you, my friends, are odd. We are an odd collection of people. God's peculiar treasure called out to be something different in this world. And that's where my mom found her faith. When we moved back to our hometown, my dad's hometown of Brookhaven, my mom got so involved in the United Methodist Women. Back in the 70s, it was like in its heyday. She was a district, she was a district leader. And she would take me to all kinds of churches. She was doing racial reconciliation when it was not cool, right? She would take me to these country black churches and introduce me to some of the most beautiful and powerful women I've ever met. I was six or seven years old, and she would give me some M&Ms, and there I was on the back pew watching my mom, seeing the power of we and y'all, seeing what it means when people reach across the boundary and get connected in the name of Christ. My mom also suffered from manic depression. That's what they called it in the 70s. They might have called it now bipolar And I know many of you may have dealt with mental illness, and it's not easy. It's difficult. A lot of times she did things that I don't think in her right mind she would have done. But at about the age of 12 and 13, she left. It was me and my dad and my two sisters. The the, uh, real estate market had gone to nothing in Brookhaven. And so my dad, who was in the air guard, kept raising his hand, flying C-130s all over the place, just so he could feed us, right? But I had... 12, 15, 18 mamas at First United Methodist Church, Brookhaven. I had people who were not going to let me slip through the cracks. I had people who became the church to me, and they were not going to let me go. I had people who said, I believe in you, Bruce. I had people who said, if you don't have a place to go, you come see me. I remember it kind of got to a low point. We were, we were there in our house, me, my dad, my two sisters, And he was off on some uh, trip somewhere, I think, in Central America. And he was just hoping me and Liz and Katie would clean up a little after ourselves. He put a $20 bill under, you know, there was a Colgate, uh, a toothpaste tube that was on the stairs. And nobody would pick it up. It was empty. He put a $20 bill and folded it and put it up under that toothpaste so that whoever decided they would clean up that day, Three weeks later, he gave up and put the 20 right back in his pocket, right? (laughs) And 
one of the things I remember mom doing, and this was when she was kind of hitting her tailspin for about 20 years, is she ran a business, and I knew, the human eye could see, even at 12 or 13, she wasn't making a whole lot of money at the ad and feature service, but she had an office. And we always used to get on to my mom because she would sneak and smoke some Virginia Slims. We would always sabotage her, right? We would grab the, you know, and, and pour water on it, put it back in her purse and all that. And sometimes in the office, she would stay there late at night and hang out with her buds and have a hen-pecking party. And we thought, what's mom doing? Why isn't she coming home? But you know, at her funeral, she passed away 11 years ago, breast cancer. The woman came up to me, whom I recognized, who gathered to her, with her on those nights, and said, I want you to know something. Your mama saved my life. I was being beaten. I was being abused at home. And any time your mom knew that things were dangerous at my house, she would invite me over, and we would hang out in her office. You see... When we look after each other as a church, when we invest in each other and believe in each other, we find that sometimes God hides things in plain sight. And sometimes you've got to close your eyes to see it. And that's what I'm asking you to do in this church, to be Mari for each other. No matter how weird life gets, no matter how unqualified you think you are, God has called you to gather and to be a part of this church. Not just to attend, but to be. Because you have no idea what battle the person sitting next to you is fighting. You have no idea what they're going through. And the one thing that you might say might be the thing that God calls you to say and to be for that person. You might be saving somebody's life. We are here to invite to connect, to equip, and to send. And I want you to know your, your, your church staff here takes that very seriously. We're going to hassle you and harass you this fall to make sure that you are plugged in to at least one small group. We're going to ask you to be a part of the body in ways that might even be challenging and pestering. We're doing that because we know when people gather in a room and hold hands and pray and look after each other, miracles happen. That the best thing that God gives us are things that we can't easily see, but we can see with our eyes closed. I want you to know that um, I got a chance to hang out with our youth group uh, a couple nights ago. And Wes uh, Ingram came walking in. He looked a little tired, didn't he, Julie? He, he came walking in, and he needed to grab some stuff. But uh, I got to hang out with Wes and Susan and with uh, Teddy, the other adult, and all these wonderful, amazing youth. And you'll know that when you meet Susanna that, um, that she's a, you know, a friendly, outgoing, extroverted. But, you know, even adults get a little nervous when they come into a group of strangers, Right? And Susanna was having some jitters. Oh, what if this youth group doesn't like me? What if I don't find what, if I don't find what, I, what I need here? And I told Susanna, I said, you just trust. God's going to take care of you. And Susanna has found in our youth group an amazing 
an amazing group of people who have been so hospitable to her. She met two people. Uh, the, the whole group's been great to her. But she met two people who are a little bit older than her who go to Oak Grove. And she was so excited and texted to me and to her mom. She said, I've met some, met some folks here that are going to help me out at Oak Grove. And that night, when I worshipped with this amazing group of people, room full of a sea of strangers, and there is my daughter. And at the end of this amazing service, after we ate, after we broke bread, and after we sang praises to God, at the end of the benediction, the leader said, let us pray. And right before I closed my eyes, one of our youth reached out to Susanna and grabbed her hand. And I told myself then, we have found our church. It doesn't cost a whole lot to pray, to be connected, to love one another. But sometimes the easiest things not to do, I mean, the easiest things to do are the easiest things not to do. But I implore you to be the body of Christ. Let's have some clarity in our church and commit because the world needs to see a model of what it means to be the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church and watch the world change. Let us pray. Oh God, we are delighted that you still, you continue to call people together in your name. That Pentecost is not over. That you call people strange. You call people who are strangers. And you make something beautiful. Lord, continue to make us be the body of Christ. That we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Help us to live boldly. Challenge us, oh God, where our dreams are way too small for your kingdom. And let us see. Let us see what is hidden right before us. Thank you for inviting us, for connecting us, and for equipping us, and for sending us. Thank you for this body. In your name we pray. Amen.